This is Around the Farm, the podcast about all things ag. I'm your host, Clint Chaffer, and today we're going to be speaking with Colin Hogriff from Farmers National Company about farm management, field view, and even uh, what's coming next in technology. It's going to be a good conversation, so stay tuned. Colin, welcome to the show. Uh, how about you, you, you introduce yourself to our listeners here? Sure. Thanks, Clint, for having me. Uh, my name is Colin Hogriff with Farmers National Company. I am based out of Northwest Iowa in a small town called Sioux Rapids. Um, we uh, we cover about two million acres of management across the United States with numerous business lines ranging from farm management to real estate, oil and gas, forestry, hunting, leasing network. So glad to be here, and thanks again for having me. Yeah, no, no. Like I said, thanks for uh, thanks for jumping on. You said Sioux Rapids. Is that like a mix between like what Sioux City and like Cedar Rapids here, or is that, is that how they got this name? I get that one a lot. Yeah, we're uh, so if you go about two hours north of Sioux City, that's where I'm located. Oh, kind of nice. in between uh, Sioux Falls and Sioux City, just a little further east. So. Um, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Well, well, I tell you what. Uh, speaking of uh, that part of the the area, how do the how, how do the crops look? They're not looking too bad, you know. And in, in most of my territory, we don't mind it a little on little on the drier side. But uh, you know, we're starting starting to see some areas struggle with lack of moisture. But overall, things are holding on well, and we got a lot of fungicide and insecticide on over the past couple weeks. So hoping to see cooler weather come through and maybe catch a rain or two and see the beans finish out. So, yeah, I mean, did you, did you have a, you know, fairly decent planting and, and growing season then? A little on the late side with planting, uh, weren't quite able to get in as soon as we wanted to, but I'd say it was a week or so late, uh, maybe a week and a half. So nothing too crazy. A couple of years ago, I believe it was back in 2018, we were really late. So it's still fresh enough back then that we're pretty thankful we were still able to get in when we did. And Temperature turned up pretty quick in June, um, so things caught up with heat units fairly quick. So yeah, I, I tell you what, Dad and I were talking about that. It seemed like it went from you know winter to to summer. You know, I mean, it stayed uh, cold and wet there the that spring, and then all of a sudden it was just ninety degrees. <laughs> yeah, turned the heat on and the rain stopped. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I would imagine, Colin, that uh, being in the farm management world, that uh, y'all are uh, keeping track of of land prices and things of that nature. You know, I, I've heard some reports that lands increase by upwards of twenty percent. Uh, what what have you been seeing? I guess just across your territory. Yeah, that that's pretty accurate. We've been seeing some outside influence with investors that have been really pushing the markets. We're still seeing a lot of farmers buying land, which is always nice, um, trying to keep it somewhat stable from that standpoint. But yeah, some outside pressure has really been driving those prices up. And I would say it was about a year ago, maybe a little longer. You know, we were going into auctions, seeing reserves already met at around fifteen thousand dollars an acre for opening bid. Oh wow! So um, it just kind of really quick went hot and heavy and then it stayed there and it's still you know even with the interest rates putting a little pressure on that market we're still seeing very strong sales up here and uh you know part of that might be a little correlated to the way we sell stuff now now having simulcast auctions um it's a little easier for investors to get in there and watch the auction itself and and pay attention to it whereas before you just had to call in on a phone and that wasn't always as easy as being able to bid online and watch online and go through it that way 
Yeah, you know, you talk about uh, outside investors, you know, really getting in and, and purchasing uh, purchasing land. And, and I, I've, I've seen that trend even around us, right? I mean, where you hear of these mm-hmm. large investment groups. And, uh, and do you look at that as just a, a stability investment? I do. I think it's, you know, for a long time, people have been putting them in certain portfolios, whether it be for retirement funds or um, just whatever investment they think is going to be stable long-term for let's say 10 to 15 years and then they can sell it at a price that's higher than they bought it for. So they'll catch a, you know, hopefully they'll try to shoot for maybe a 3% return during ownership. Then when they sell it, they'll capture an even higher return selling at a higher price. I think that's generally from what I've seen investors goals, but every investor is different. And nowadays the world's ever changing and, you know, they're not making any more land. And I think that's starting to ring a little more true for a lot more people moving forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I, I would imagine that you work with quite a few, quite a few tenants then across your area. I, I would say I have roughly sixty-five tenants that I work with on a regular basis. Do you, as far as for you know, keeping in touch with them or or being able to work with them, are they starting to utilize you know connected digital tools like let's say like FieldView or or something of that nature? Yeah, over the past couple of years, we've been I've been working pretty closely with my tenants to kind of get on on board with that, just for simplicity's sake. Really streamlines a lot of communication that we have and makes life just a lot easier on their part and mine. So I've found tools like FieldView to be very beneficial since I've been with Farmers National. How have you seen that? You know, starting to not only optimize your business, but even optimize you know maybe their their operation as you're working with them. Yeah, it really helps make specific adjustments in areas of the field. You know, we can see what certain hybrids are doing in certain areas, and and that can be very beneficial moving forward on a year-to-year basis. Accompanied with timing of application, it's just so much easier to track when we applied what during the growing season to see how that's affecting yield later on from year to year. So the year-to-year aspect to me is is great. And then the seamless flow of info back and forth, you know, it's not printing out a piece of paper, sticking it in the mail waiting three days to get it anymore. It's just click of a button. We can log in, we can share info and, and uh, really go through what we're seeing out in those fields on a uh, real-time basis, frankly. You know, I mean, a lot of folks have different, uh, you know, different technical abilities, right? You know, not everybody can just pick up a, a piece of software and, and run right away with it. Uh, how do you, you know, work with all of these different tenants with probably different technical skill levels on that side of it? Do you have any pushback on that? Or what do you do for like a training aspect? I don't. I live in a gray area where I'm really lucky. A lot of our seed dealers that sell DeKalb or Asgrow actually are very well versed in it. So, you know, we have a great big seed dealer up here that's one of the biggest, I believe, in Iowa for sure. But they do a great job of training up their clients and showing them how everything works so that it's it's very simple and it gets the proper information. And if they ever have questions or I even I do sometimes, you know, I can go to him and he'll fill me in on what to do, how to fix it. Or even in some cases, he can push that info I'm looking for because his client shared the access with him so they can just push it right to me. So it's kind of a three-way communication center there where, you know, if one doesn't have it, one of the other two definitely will be able to get it for you. Now, I mean, as a as a farm manager, I'd imagine that you want to always stay on the on the competitive edge as well, right? To to make mm-hmm. sure that you're you're making all the best decisions. Th- does FieldView help in that side of it as far as to 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 keep that competitive edge? I think it does. Like I said earlier, I think it gives us real time access to what's going on in the field between satellite imagery, crop health, and then inputs and in, in what we're seeing out there for certain applications. So it's one way that we can guarantee 
uh, in our opinion, we're doing everything we can to push yields forward without doing any damage to the land and making sure we're doing proper practices at proper times to ensure longevity on that farm. Now, as far as for, you know, I always love looking out in the future and thinking about uh, technology and how that's just changed even the last, you know, 10, 15 years in, in agriculture. It's, it's, it's been uh, mind-blowing. What do you look out there, Colin, as you start talking to, to you know, your different tenants, you start talking to other folks in your industry, what do you see is on the, on the cusp here? What's going to be the next big thing from a technology standpoint? I get pretty excited about this stuff. I'm pretty interested in the autonomous side of stuff that's coming. Um, I think that could be very beneficial to, to a lot of farmers, um, you know, from a time standpoint, a labor standpoint, you know, we only get a certain window to get crops in the ground to ensure that we get the best yields. And I think autonomy might be a good way moving forward that we're really going to be able to, to capture that window and that time frame to make sure we're, we're doing everything we can to give those plants the proper time they need to grow. Man, I, I am right there with you, Colin. I think that uh, the autonomy side is just so exciting. Uh, you know, as as the last few years, you know, equipment just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and I almost see autonomy is going to drive that completely the opposite way. And it's like, you know, if you have two, three, four, six row planters that can run, you know, autonomously twenty four seven. I mean, man, you, you can cover you can cover a lot of acres, especially when you start talking fourteen mile an hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, it's it's kind of a whirlwind, you know. When I was in college, I did internships in precision agriculture, and when I started doing those, it was a motor that slapped on the side of a steering wheel, and you clicked a button, and it slapped onto the wheel, and it just turned like this, and it and it drove your tractor. And even to think at how crazy that was back then to what yeah. we have now, it's well, the next 10 years could be very, very interesting. So it's, it's great to see, you know, this sea and spray stuff coming out um, with the herbicide issues we were, you know, getting, trying to get them in this year was kind of a, a difficult task and to be able to, to use a lot less to get the same job done. You know, I think those types of things for, for many different reasons will be very beneficial. That was the old Easy Guide 500, man. That was, was. That, that motor that slapped on the side. We yep. had one uh, in our soybean planter, and we always threw it into our combine as well. But uh, yep. yeah, it, it, it cracks me up. A, a little backstory of that I got told was the engineer that designed that literally had one in his car in a Walmart <laughs> parking lot as he was trying <laughs> to get like the first design of it. So that uh, no least, kidding. At least the story I heard on it. So yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a little bit of a blast from the past anymore. We probably don't see many of those rolling around anymore. No, no, I say a lot of, of course, integrated and and things of that yep. nature. But now you you talked about you know being out in the middle of nowhere, and uh, that uh, that resonates with me as I'm sitting here out in the middle of nowhere, Illinois. Uh, what have you seen for access to broadband internet and how has that impacted, uh, you know, your tenants as you start thinking about utilizing stuff like field view or, or just trying to just, you know, just, you know, get and process and information. Yeah. So we're starting to see a lot more fiber coming through. Uh, actually our areas, it already has had some fiber through it, but the, the rural areas are now starting to really push hard to get fiber. So our internet capabilities, I would say in the next two to five years should be significantly better. You know, like right now sitting here, I can only get 25 megabytes a second. That's the most they'll let me get over a radio and moving forward. I'll be, you know, I'll be up to 500 here, hopefully within the next year or two. And that's for surrounding rural areas where I'm at. So 
it'll it'll really help that data side of things because right now you know if I try to upload something, I don't know how long it'll take, but it's going to take a while. So it's a very welcome change in in rural Iowa at least, and uh, everybody's actually looking forward to it. And it's it's kind of nice in agriculture we're moving this route because it's you're getting a lot of people that generally wouldn't think about internet speeds and and how that can affect an economy, and it's really starting to show them how important it really is to get it out in rural America. Man, we, we are in the same boat here. Uh, I'm jealous that you're 25. I'm sitting on 15 right now. So uh, oh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's all I, I can get. too much then, should I? But, but there are companies out now that are, uh, you know, a lot of them are putting the Wi-Fis on top of uh, grain legs all over, right? Yep. And bouncing that all over. But I've heard of a few of them that even are uh, getting up around that 100 because they are getting that uh, fiber backbone, right? Which, uh, yep. man, 10 years ago, I I never would have thought that we would have anything like that around here. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's wild to think, you know, when I was a kid, we got wild blue. I'll never forget it. Satellite internet. <laughs> oh yeah. And I think that thing ran at like five megabytes a second. You didn't have to plug anything in and we were, we thought everything was great. So yeah, it's, it's amazing how much things have changed. Well, you know, talking about all these different tools and, and being connected, what are some of the other ways that, that I guess you get information? I, I always love talking to people on, you know, whether it's Twitter or Ag Talk or, you know, however it is, uh, everybody can just get information from all over the world so quickly at this point in time. Uh, Colin, what are, what are some of the main things that you're util- utilizing? I'm pretty big into the cloud, I guess. So if I can share things through the cloud or have people share it that route, um, Email inboxes just aren't quite as secure, in my opinion. So if I can get it through an encrypted cloud service, that's generally the route I look to use. So um, other than that, right now, um, you know, we try to utilize to, to fit our clients and our, our tenants' needs. We'll try to, I'll try to utilize whatever they use. You know, if they use OpCenter, I'll use OpCenter. If they use FieldView, I'll use FieldView. Um, but that, frankly, eats up from a, from a work standpoint. 90% of my clients that do utilize it would utilize it yep. in one of those two forms. So, Yeah. And that, that's, what's always so nice about, you know, taking those steps to where all of these platforms have APIs, they're connected right mm-hmm. together. So it's like, uh, you, you can always get your data still in the same spot, regardless of where it's collected at. And, uh, yep. that I think has just made, uh, that whole process just so much easier because, Man, I remember the times of, you know, you're pulling everything down and basically crunching everything on your laptop or your desktop yeah. and, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to get it back to them. And uh, it's yeah. so much easier when everything's connected. Yeah. And the great thing with FieldView is it is integrated with Operation Center. So yep. it's very easy to just have to go to one spot and I can get all the information I need. And it's not the days of sending out thumb drives to everybody and their dog just to try to get the information <laughs> back to you. <laughs> Uh, I hear you. What uh, what would be your number one most favorite feature of FieldView? From a client standpoint, you know we have a lot of old tile that that we look to replace a lot. And from from a client standpoint, I would say it's being able to mark tile issues and tile blowouts in the field. Yep. So I can walk out there with my phone, drop a pin right on that spot, and then send them a nice report that shows you know here's where the here's where the broken tile is. It has an actual picture of what's broken. And it sends it all in a nice, clean report. So that's one of my favorite things in respects to, to my clients. And then with the tenant side, you know, I just love the flow of information. It's just seamless. You know, they, they go out in the field, they get it planted, and I get an update. And I look on there, and I see a nice, nice planting map. And I get to upload that and send those nice reports to our clients. So 
it just it really makes that flow of info seamless, which in today's world is a necessity in my opinion. So I'm really glad we have this partnership with FieldView. Oh, absolutely. You know what's funny? You talk about like dropping pins for the and, and taking pictures mm-hmm. of tile blowouts and things of that nature. And I always love that's one of my favorite parts about software. Um, a lot of things you end up using that weren't necessarily designed the way that they were purposed, right? You know, because <laughs> yeah. if you think about a, a scouting pen and, and taking pictures, it was probably like, you know, dropping it for weeds or discoloration mm-hmm. on a on a leaf or something. And and I love hearing folks that find other ways to start utilizing that and tile blowouts and issues on that. That's that's huge. Yeah. That's uh, so much and easier. There's been a couple fields actually where when, when you drop up, you know, I'd have like three broken tile lines and they my client doesn't have a, a tile map and you'll go on the the satellite image and you'll see the three pins. And then when you look closer, you can actually see the tile line if you look close enough and then they'll keep that and say, well, I know there's a tile here and they found that great. So the, the satellite imagery, it's a whole nother topic we can go into that provides a whole lot of benefits. So it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. You know, you, you just have basically somebody, you know, somewhat scouting your field all automatic, right? Uh, and, yep. and loading it right into whether it's your phone or your iPad. Uh, it's, it's really fun to be able to track all that stuff and, and at least give you an idea of where to go in that field to go take a look at. Exactly. And, and those reports that uh, field view kicks out are great too, because I'll just send those straight to the Tyler that's going to fix it. And they'll find it in two seconds instead of trying to find that little orange flag that inevitably gets blown away or knocked over, <laughs> yeah. or ran over. So they, they really like it too. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, Colin, I got a, an incredibly important question now to ask. <laughs> you know, one of the debates that we've been having on here for, for quite a few episodes now, and we actually just did a Twitter poll on this as well. Is it an auger wagon or is it a grain cart? Oh, it's a grain cart, buddy. It's always it's it's a grain cart. Sorry, oh, man. You know, only five percent of of people out there on that Twitter poll picked auger wagon. I'm just I just keep feeling more and more alone, man. I'm just on like a on my own little <laughs> island out here. Well, I could tell you, it's it's probably because you might you could be talking about a seed tender. I mean, that's kind of an auger wagon. Ah, ah, yeah. That that might be what's catching you up. That's that's true. That's true. All right. I, I'm just gonna have to like just sit down and really, you know, just probably change my change my whole ways here. <laughs> you have to you have to see if it's territory specific. You know, I have heard that it's like a grain buggy. I think as you get up into maybe the uh, maybe up into Canada, that's what I've heard. I so. I worked with some people in Canada, and that that's what I heard up there. So. Yeah, yeah. So maybe I'm just not asking people in the right area where Auger Wagon lives. I need to figure out that area. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, you know, one of the other questions that uh, that we always like to ask, uh, you know, w- what's been the best farm advice that, uh, that that you've ever gotten, Colin? I don't know if it was farm advice. I'm going to have to read it because I don't want to screw it up. But it's a Michael Jordan quote that I think does apply to farming, and it kind of applies to many aspects of life. So I apologize that it's not maybe as it's specific to farming, but Michael Jordan once said, obstacles don't have to stop you. If you run into a wall, don't turn around and give up. Figure out a way to climb it, go through it, or work around it. And I think that that is actually extremely applicable to farming or business or sports, any aspect of life. I've always found that one that one kind of fits every, every box. There are plenty of walls that get dropped in front of you in farming. So yeah. I think that, uh, that definitely definitely fits there. 
Well, Colin, man, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule here to sit down and uh, and have a conversation with me. This has been uh, absolutely great catching up. So uh, anything else you want to mention? No, thanks again, Clint, for having me on and look forward to, uh, if you ever want to talk again, feel free to reach out. Will do. Well, hey, uh, good luck uh, this fall and I hope you have a successful harvest. Thanks, Clint. You too. Hey, a big thank you to Colin for joining us here today. That was a great conversation. Also, thanks to you, the listener. And if you like this podcast, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, or maybe share it with a friend or two as well. And as always, Around the Farm is brought to you by Climate Field View, and we're available wherever you listen to podcasts at. And until next time, we'll see you around the farm. <laughs>